Georgiana and we are today on the second episode in the second season of Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. And I'm talking to someone who's working in recruitment in Romania. Her name is Madalina Banu. Welcome, Madalina, on our podcast today. So nice to meet you and to have you here. Hi, thank you for inviting me. So I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And I'm uh, I'm really excited and really looking forward to uh, to approach again a theme that has been going on and off in our podcast, and that's require uh, re- regarding actually uh, talent acquisition. And um, Madalina works as a senior talent acquisition specialist at Ericsson in uh, in Bucharest in Romania. And I would like to ask you first, Madalina, what what does your role entail on a daily basis? I mean, we all know what talent acquisition means. But maybe you can tell us what this means for the company you work for. So the focus on this role is, uh, of course, the recruitment uh, part. But um, recruitment is more than uh, having uh, interviews. It's about identifying uh, business needs, hiring managers' needs, uh, also um, assessing candidates' skills, and uh, doing a good match between uh, the business needs and what uh, the market offers, uh, what the candidate uh, has to offer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting, you know, and a lot of feedback that I've gotten since I've started this um, this podcast was from people who are just starting out either as employer branding managers or as talent acquisition managers and who are always asking me for um, for input from my guests with regards to what what it's like to 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 just start out you know what it's like to just begin a career in in one of these areas so this is why my my first uh, concrete question in in this podcast today is if you've made mistakes in your role what were they about and could you have avoided them um, of course, I've made uh, mistakes. Um, maybe uh, it's a tough question. I think the most uh, challenging is to do an introspection to my professional and personal life uh, because I think they go, uh, they both go in parallel. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first mistake that comes to my mind uh, it's a profession, it's a personal one that uh, has reflected on my professional uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, more exactly, the um, first mistake was to consider myself not bold or not savvy enough to perform my role, especially because I compared, uh, compared myself with uh, colleagues that I saw as uh, role models. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, like this uh, list of criteria that I should check as a professional recruiter, and because of it, I was uh, diffident to stand up and embrace new, new challenges. But luckily, I had managers and colleagues and clients that saw my potential and uh, pushed me to the limit. Mm-hmm. All these uh, new, experience, uh, new experiences gave me confidence. I had the possibility to learn from my mistakes. And at the same time, um, what's very important for me to feel supported and appreciated, mm-hmm. even when I felt I could have done better. Maybe a second mistake, um, earlier we were talking about uh, recruitment, um, maybe a second mistake I made was losing focus 
in fulfilling the needs of all parties involved in the recruitment process. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, a successful recruitment process is when you have, uh, when you manage uh, to find uh, the match between what the candidate expects from uh, his future career, involving a future team, manager, organizational environment, but also what the manager needs on one side. Mm -hmm. On the other side, um, what I can actually um, do for both parties. Can I meet uh, both objectives? Uh, of the candidate and of the hiring managers. So my purpose is to make sure that I can correctly identify the motivation, the potential, how well the candidate will perform, how well and fast he or she will integrate in the team and to assure, ensure a long-term collaboration. And I think due to different distractions in my activity, like tight deadlines, workloads, mm -hmm. I focused more either on the candidate needs or needs or either on the hiring manager's uh, needs. So it happened that the candidate met all the role requirements, but didn't match, uh, let's say, with the team or with the company culture. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, is the second mistake that uh, after a long thought, I uh, uh, I realized that it's one of the most common mistakes I've uh, I've made. Um, and the third mistake, um, I think, in the day-to-day -day life, is uh, rushing in. You know, the need to hire as soon as possible. Um, and to answer as soon as possible uh, led me to miss uh, details, even if they were administrative uh, details. Okay, but th there must have been good parts about you starting out. So if you were to think maybe of the most rewarding part, what would that be? There are a lot of rewarding parts. <laughs> I will... Uh... Um, I will tell you more uh, rewarding parts. Uh, I will mention, uh, first of all, I think of the most rewarding part is when a candidate becomes a colleague, uh, but also when I keep in touch with the candidates that were not offered a position they, uh, they applied for, but um, I keep in touch with him or her. Um, and also when a hiring manager is satisfied with the consultancy I gave uh, during the recruitment process. So I think these are the main uh, rewarding parts, but the most fulfilling that uh, I, fe I felt in the last period of time, meaning in uh, COVID times, mm -hmm. uh, was when I hired a candidate that lost their job because of the pandemic so um, I had the chance to to hire them, and uh, so in order for for them to worry less about about this aspect. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sounds really nice. You know, speaking of uh, recruitment and of, of uh, hiring people, in in my doing this podcast, I've heard a lot of people speak about flexibility and openness and transparency. So much so that at some point I thought. You know, this is just regular textbook copy-paste. Mm -hmm. what, what is your take on this? You know, while, while discussing with you before recording the podcast, you said that many times you were surprised by people whose profile was maybe not so promising, but then which who, who proved to be otherwise. And actually, this also happened to me a few times. 
Could you give maybe a specific example of such a situation where you you kept an open mind and then you were surprised by the candidate? Of course. Um, in um, regarding flexibility and openness, first of all, well, it seems that uh, it's just a copy paste textbook. But if not applied, in my opinion, there will be negative consequences. Flexibility, in my opinion, is a must-have skill for a person, either you are a candidate, an employee, or an employer. Mm -hmm. The needs, the requests uh, are always dynamic. We need to act accordingly, uh, or at least to try to adapt, to change things that we can change, but at the same time to feel comfortable with our decisions and actions. In what concerns the openness and transparency that we are expecting from others, either they are colleagues, managers, um, I believe that this is a fair expectation. Uh, a fair expectation. If they are not uh, met, we lose faith, grief. We feel like we are not going forward, meeting the same purpose. I can relate to some examples from my experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Um, a positive example when transparency was a good choice was uh, giving a full transparent feedback to a candidate that wasn't selected for the position. Mm -hmm. Okay. The most important thing is that also the candidate was open for feedback. So our collaboration continued after the recruitment process uh, ended. And um, this uh, feedback, the process, created a strong connection between me as a recruiter and uh, he as a person and candidate. And we kept in touch for future roles. In any role we, we might have, I think uh, we might encounter difficulties in being fully transparent, indeed, as there are some constraints that might not be in our control. For example, the budget, the pandemic consequences, so new business strategies. But uh, it's in our control to embrace the changes and again to be flexible. And um, you um, asked me about a specific situation when I was surprised by a candidate. Uh, was uh, when I had a very specific role, which required a very specific know-how in accounting area. Mm -hmm. I had this candidate that worked for about uh, 15 years in tourism and because of the pandemic, uh, she lost her job. The information in the, CVs, in the CV weren't so relevant for my role, but uh, while taking a closer look at the study section and while talking to her during the phone interview, I found out that she used the time off to enroll to accounting courses, and in addition, she studied on her own. What was a great surprise for me was her eagerness to reinvent herself and to start from zero, to study something new, and especially to persevere in learning accounting. So she was a nice surprise for me. Okay, and so she ended up working in the accounting department. Yes, yes, wow. from tourism to accounting. And uh, after 15 years, I think, um, you know, learning something new and uh, persevering, that is uh, 
it's amazing mm -hmm. so yes professional reconversion really is possible yeah yes <laughs> uh, it's not just a theory she really proved that uh, once again that uh, we can do whatever we can we want to mm -hmm. As long as we, we do our best. Okay, and um, yeah. Madalena, just to shift a little bit our discussion to the part that is most important for me, <laughs> so to say, <laughs> not that the others aren't equally important. How um, how relevant would you say is employer branding for a company on a scale from five to ten or one to five, and why? I would uh, give ten. <laughs> from five to ten, it's a ten, of course. Because um, candidates want to get to know the company, the people that work there, the organizational culture. This get-to-know-how process can take a while. Candidates pay attention to details. They source for information. So the company must be active and proactive with uh, an employer branding uh, strategy. In online and offline companies, in my opinion, shall engage every employee to promote and to share their experience. From when they were candidate in the recruitment process or as an employee, and even when the candidate accepts another challenge, so outside the company, mm -hmm. uh, to give a feedback, how was the exit process? How was the experience overall? So employer branding as awareness process should be the first goal for a company that wants to be competitive on the market. And the second goal is to attract candidates to fill in the openings. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And I always tell all of our prospective clients that there has to be an internal dimension to their employer branding efforts and then an external one. I totally agree. So, yes. I, uh, I'm glad we we stand united and on the same page. Yeah. Um, Madalina, three tips for someone who's just starting out as a talent talent acquisition manager, a talent acquisition specialist. It's a very nice question, and uh, I thought a lot about this. Um, it's always been my pleasure to uh, onboard and to have the induction uh, program with uh, new employees. Uh, especially in the HR department. So um, I think uh, the first tip um, would be the following one. Um, an interview process brings along emotions, excitement, worries, maybe worries of failure or not being fit for the role or afraid uh, to, being, to be judged, mm -hmm. or maybe it's not the best day for an interview, you know? So... Yeah. First of all, is to create a safe, a safe place uh, for the candidate, mm -hmm. so he or she can feel comfortable while sharing their experience with you. And as I told earlier, my professional experience is very much related to the personal one. So, um, make a safe uh, space for the candidate. The second tip is to be consultative. The role of the of a recruiter is to offer advice to all involved uh, parties in the recruitment process. Okay. And uh, the third tip uh, is to not beat yourself down. Enjoy every little or big accomplishment. Each offer uh, made is an accomplishment, but also um, 
the time that the candidate gave you or the insights you find out from the candidate uh, regarding the market or even when you speak to an internal hiring manager, they share with you a lot about their team, their style, their style of management. So every discussion, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. For sure. And um, now going to, to a question or to a, a tip that I uh, ask from all of my guests, what, what is a book you could recommend that's really helped you? I would recommend my the first book I read about uh, hiring uh, processes is uh, called Hire With Your Head by uh, Lou Adler. Okay, okay, good. Always useful books for me to add to my reading list. <laughs> yes, Lou Adler, uh, write in an engaging manner, and uh, I also follow him uh, in social media and on LinkedIn. Okay, cool. And um, going to, to the end of our podcast, because we are a bit short on time, I was wondering, you know, many articles nowadays um, mention new recruiting strategies for a post-COVID world. Everywhere we read, everyone mentions the hybrid workplace, the, the new working conditions. Yeah. Are, we, are we already talking about this? Are we already finding ourselves in this post-COVID world? And, and, and if so, what are the recruiting strategies for, for this new period, do you think? Indeed, it's a hot subject for uh, all HR people, and we are all discussing about uh, it, uh, not also in recruiting uh, area, but also in the engaging uh, area, um, the health crisis changed completely our lives and our way of working. Uh, from a few days working from home to a full remote schedule, for example. And the proven performance of employees uh, that worked from everywhere during this period convinced companies that the office can be an option, not a must-have. Mm -hmm. So um, if they want to work from the office, the main purpose for a post-COVID strategy is for employees to feel safe. Now they can book their seat, uh, they can have full visibility in order to respect social uh, distancing, cleaning facilities, well-being workshops. But the recruitment strategy is continuously changing as the times are. But the candidate has to be, let's say, the suitable candidate for the role he doesn't have to be necessary in in the right, uh, let's say, in one city only, mm -hmm. like Bucharest. Yeah, I keep hearing about this more and more of remote recruiting strategies. Which is really good for us, um, for us as recruiters, but also thinking about uh, multicultural environment. So also about the well-being of the employee. If he has the family or, I don't know, he practices some sports and needs to be near uh, the sea, why not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, yes, in the end, I guess it, it boils down to openness and to flexibility, not, not necessarily only in the way of thinking, but also in the way of organizing work processes and uh, work strategies, right? 
Right, and um, we should be flexible and act immediately uh, because the pandemic was a surprise for us. So we had to rethink uh, as soon as possible uh, new ways of working, but also to keep people engaged and uh, to feel that uh, we as a company, as colleagues, we care. So I think the, in this period, um, the well-being um, and the work-life balance is yeah. the most important uh, for us. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. Madalena, thank you so much for talking to me today. This was a real pleasure. I uh, wish you the best of luck in uh, your career and conducting your role and um, hope to be in touch very soon. Thank you for this opportunity to share my own experience and learning based on the roles that I have uh, until now. And uh, thank you to all the listeners and uh, especially I thank you for uh, choosing me for this uh, podcast. And good luck to you too. Bye-bye. Podcast and content on employer branding related things on employerbranding.tech. Until the next time, stay tuned. Bye.